from our first lesson today, you shall be holy. You shall be holy. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So all of the lessons today revolve around the notion of holiness. I will put that out there. It is all about holiness and being as God intends us to be. Every week, a group of 30 or 35 of us gather on Wednesday over Zoom and reflect on certain texts. This past week, we reflected on snippets from Buddhist texts, from the Dharmapada, from other ancillary Buddhist texts, to reflect on the notion of enlightenment. And someone private messengered me a question, which I thought is pretty poignant. Is there a difference between enlightenment and holiness? Is there a difference between enlightenment and holiness? Now, I, as a priest, I work decidedly from the Christian grammar. That is my foundation, and that is the grammar from which I speak. I do believe in respecting all religious traditions that aim for the good. However, I can only speak from the Christian grammar, so let me offer some perspective from that. In our understanding, Jesus is the true light. We symbolize that by lighting candles. And that is rooted from the Gospel of St. John. For Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And what that light does is divide darkness from light or truth. It divides untruth from truth. And in elucidating that, Jesus is pointing towards a higher truth that in this world there are certain moral imperatives that we are to live into. Now one of those moral imperatives is to be children of the light according to Matthew's Gospel. And in being children of the light we make our way in the world with the aim, the Christian aim is for a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. That depiction comes from the book of Revelation. Now what holiness does as a concept is that it leads us to that reality of creating a new heaven and a new earth. Now, the difference between holiness and enlightenment in this aspect is this. Enlightenment is about individual awareness or self-awareness. Holiness is focused on a transcendent other, on a realm that is much more than ourselves, on virtue that is greater than ourselves. Whereas aspects of enlightenment 
are self-referential. It's an internal dialogue. The Abrahamic traditions, which include Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, all focus on this notion of taking the moral imperatives that we receive in transcendence and applying them in the real world. But guess what? Guess what? Whether it is the lands that Jesus has walked or our nation where we proclaim that we are one nation under God, we have all fallen short of that conception of holiness. True or untrue? What do y'all think? True. It's interesting to me that even in our enlightened age, remember we live as children or grandchildren or great-great-great-great-grandchildren of the Enlightenment. Even with the scientific revolution, even with all the knowledge that science has given us in this world, it hasn't made a tremendous impact on our fundamental depravity as human beings. For we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So, enlightenment, whether on the individual level or the corporate level, has its limitations. Today, Jesus, in the gospel, responds to snark that's posed by, of all people, a lawyer. Jesus offers a textual response, a response that is rooted in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and it's well known to the community that is gathered listening to him. Jesus says, love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, live like you mean it. And he says that that is the basis of all, all religious tradition and faith. Now Jesus also in that very gospel, take a look, points out to the fact that there is a limitation on humanity's understanding or humanity's attempt to create a perfect society. I want you to follow the text with me in the gospel. Now Jesus asks the teachers of the law, whose son is the Messiah? What do they answer? Look, you have five seconds. What's the answer? The son of David. Son of David. The son of David. Why? According to tradition, David was the greatest king for the people the greatest earthly ruler. However, not, not that David. Well, maybe. Probably looked like that David. Okay. But what about David? What do we know about David? We know that he was a major schemer. He was probably 
you know, you, they, they talk about Machiavelli. This guy was the inventor of Machiavellianism. He knew how to play the cards, and he did it sometimes very ruthlessly. He was limited. He was frail, morally. So when they answer that, Jesus is putting them into a conundrum. And he's saying that the true king of kings is not an earthly messiah. Now, an earthly king is someone who runs counter to the code of holiness listed in Leviticus. An earthly king renders unjust judgments at times. An earthly king is susceptible to partiality. An earthly king can be harmful to his neighbor. If you remember the story of Ahab who, who eyed the prop properties of Naboth in, first, in, in Kings. An earthly king can be a slanderer. An earthly king can be someone who slanders, who profits by slandering and killing one's neighbor. An earthly king can be hateful, bear grudges, and act with vengeance. Now run counter to that is the true Messiah. The true Messiah who is the embodiment of God's holiness. And as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the full embodiment of that holiness. As people on the way in the journey, the only way we can either get a, get a glimpse or understand what holiness is, is by looking at Jesus and by encountering Jesus. For only Jesus can offer the gracious and transforming power that we need in our lives to move closer to what God intends for us. How can I say this? Well, let me offer you an example. In our epistle today, Paul alludes to what an encounter with holiness does. He speaks of suffering and mistreatment at Philippi. What was that mistreatment? Well, take a look at Acts 16, 16 through 24 when you get a chance. Remember, Philippi was the first major European city that, that Paul went to after evangelizing all of Asia Minor. He goes to Philippi, which is in Macedonia, working with Paul, with, with Silas, to evangelize the people there. Now when he gets there, he meets a slave girl who is being used by her owners to tell fortunes and to really uh, make them a prophet. And what Paul does is challenges that challenges that very system and liberates that girl from slavery because of the Christian ethic. And when he challenges that whole system, their reaction is to put him in jail. 
and Paul and Silas and the others who accompany them or are associated with Paul and Silas are beaten, are whipped, and are put in jail. But what is amazing to me is Paul's reaction. Now we also know that Paul, before, become, before encountering the light of Christ, was a major Pharisee. He knew the theoretical conceptions of the law. And he was also a persecutor of people. Right? We, read, we know that before his conversion experience, he intentionally set out to persecute, to harm other people. Yet after his encounter with Christ, his life is totally transformed. No longer does, does it mean a spear for a spear, but he opens himself up to persecution because he knows that retributive justice is not the way of life is not what it means to live into holiness or have a different Christian understanding of life. Brothers and sisters, follow me here. An encounter with God, an encounter with a transcendent other, leads to transformation. Transformation leads to offering or sharing oneself for the sake of the gospel. Offering oneself or sharing oneself is the ultimate expression of love. Sharing oneself is giving oneself over. That is the mark of holiness. That is the mark of holiness. There was a famous rabbi in the 12th century named Maimonides. And Maimonides was a great scholar, uh, a physician, a, a scholar in the court, in the, in the court of uh, the Arabic Empire. As a Jew, he wrote in Arabic. And he wrote a lot of commentaries on scripture. And he talks about holiness as a sense of an all-embracing standard of life. Imagine a Venn diagram of morality, of ethics, of civil law, and religion all coming together. And in the center of that Venn diagram, where they all overlap, is this conception of holiness rooted in love. Maimonides said that the core root of any sort of encounter with the transcendent other is love. What type of love? Again, let's go down to the first lesson. When the word love is written in Leviticus, the root is hav, to give, to offer, to give beyond rationality to give beyond account, to give selflessly, to offer oneself is the mark of holiness. And as Rudolf Otto said centuries later, 
our experience of God is the experience of God giving God's self over to us in the person of Jesus, giving us infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. For Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's gift to us. And so our connection to holiness can only be in giving of ourselves to God and to other human beings. So it matters how we live in the world. Because how we live is a mark of our discipleship in Christ. The good news is that Christ gave of himself. And although we, we have fall, fallen short, so short, whether it's Israel or Gaza, Lewiston, Maine, Morgan State, we as a people, even with our enlightened selves and enlightened understandings of the world, have fallen so short of God's dream for us. The good news is that in order for us to move beyond that sort of secular understanding of justice, let me tell you something. While legislation is a vehicle to address certain things, legislation is not the end all and be all. Unless there is a transformation of society to live as God lives, there is no hope for this world. And it begins with people who go to church or go to synagogue, go to temple, wherever they are, encountering the transcendent other and reflecting that so much in their lives that there is dramatic transformation in this world. Because if transformation were merely about enlightenment, we'd have no conflicts. There'd be no violence, no death, and no destruction in this world. But as history continues to point out, we live in a world that is so devoid of that understanding of holiness that we see people and creation as tools to a selfish end. So, beloved, my invitation to you this week is simple yet profound. Examine how you make room in your life to encounter God, to encounter transcendence, to encounter holiness? Is it through evening prayer, centering prayer, silence? How do you encounter personally the living Lord in your life? How do you allow that personal encounter to transform how you react in the world, how we react in the world. What structures will you create for yourself so that you can encounter that holiness and that that sense of holiness can work through you, weak and sinful and yet redeemed as we are. Amen.